Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from October 17th by Pastor Randy, titled Revival and Honesty. So have you ever been on a trip, on a vacation, and wound up disappointed? That happens a lot up here when people come and visit Alaska to a certain degree. Uh, in one area, at least, they come up here, they want to see Mount McKinley, you know, the tallest thing on this side of the earth. But as we all know, living up here, that's a rare occasion because it kind of stays cloudy most of the time. And they don't wind up going home with pictures of Mount McKinley. They just got to take postcards with them. Or a lot of people, they, they want to visit, go to Canada, they want to visit Saskatchewan, I guess because it just sounds cool, Saskatchewan, I'm not sure. Why? Because they get to Saskatchewan, they realize this is just like Kansas, just further north. Not much difference at all. Well, Abraham takes a trip. He leaves his family, his home, his possessions, his culture, everything he knows, and he heads to where God is showing him, and he winds up in Canaan. But as soon as he gets to Canaan, he winds up disappointed because this is what he finds out. There was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was severe. So as soon as he gets to the promised land, all of a sudden there's a famine. But God did not bring him to the promised land to starve. But what he does is he, he's going by the promises of God, but when he gets there, there's a famine. All of a sudden, fear of the famine is bigger than the promise of God. So he heads to the nearest water source, which is the Nile River. It's sort of like Peter when he's with the disciples in that boat during the storm. And Jesus comes walking to him. And, and then Peter, he starts getting out of the boat to walk toward Jesus and he's doing fine as long as he's focused on Jesus. But then there's that phrase in that whole narrative that says, then seeing the wind. When he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to look at the circumstances around him, that's when he loses his faith. That's when he begins to sink. And that's what Abraham is doing. Abraham takes his focus off of God and the promises of God. And he looks at the circumstances. Oh, there's a famine. Can't trust God in the midst of this. This is too difficult. So he, he focuses on the difficulties more than he does the promise of God. So that's when he heads down to Egypt. Here's something that we need to understand. The ability to trust the promise, the promise instead of our own human resources is a test that few people have passed the first time around. See, the problem is not a shortage of water. The problem on Abraham's part is a shortage of faith. Here's the second thing. The loss of faith will always lead to loss of courage. It takes courage to live the Christian life. It takes courage to live by the promises of God rather than the circumstances that's going on around us in our lives to say, look, I see what's happening. I see what's going on around me, but I'm going to focus on God and his promises rather than let the circumstances dictate to me what I should do. But that's what happens so many times. And so... Abraham, he sort of strays away from the promise of God of here, the land of Canaan. This is where I want you to be. He strays away from the promise of God. So it shouldn't surprise that he strays away from the truth. Here's what we read in the following verses. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, look, I know what a beautiful woman you are. 
When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but let you live. So please say to my Please say you're my sister so it will go well for me because of you and my life will be spared on your account. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. So the woman was taken to Pharaoh's household. So Abraham knew his wife was stunning. But the amazing thing about this is at this time, she was at least 65 years old. Couple things. One, these are my opinions or what I think, that women back then aged slower than they do today, and she hadn't had any kids yet. And I could say several more things, but I'll spare myself a lecture when I get home. But needs to say this. Abraham knew that Pagan kings and Pharaoh, they like trophy wives. He knew that. He understood that. The next verse, he treated Abraham well because of her, and Abraham acquired flocks and herds and male and female donkeys, male and female slaves and camels. So this is what's going on. See, Abraham had already settled for one humanistic decision. So it's not a far stretch to see that he goes and he creates this lie. He'd already failed God. He failed to trust God when it came to his promise. Go to the promise saying this is where I want you to be. So it shouldn't be a stretch for him not to trust God when it comes to Pharaoh. So he cooks up this lie. Which is not hard either because we're just natural born liars. You don't have to get somebody for your kid when they're young to tutor them to teach them how to lie. They just know how to do that. It just comes naturally. Uh, Dr. Leonard Keeter, he was the inventor of the lie detector machine. He had, he had tested over 25,000 individuals. His conclusion was this. Human nature by humans by nature are very deceptive. Big surprise there. With my kids, I would deal with this. Code would come, Jeremy hit me in the arm. Jeremy, did you hit your brother? No. So I tried a different approach. Jeremy, where did you hit your brother? Right there in the arm. You know, it's, it's, we just tend to naturally want, want to cover up things, want to lie. Here's the thing that, that we need to understand. You expect integrity from people around you whether you have integrity or not. You don't want to be lied to. Nobody wants to be lied to. Nobody wants to be deceived. But when it's the other way around, we don't mind doing that. If circumstances tell us that may be the best way to go. It happens a lot. Thieves don't like to be stolen from. He stole my stuff. Yeah, but you're a thief. I know, but he shouldn't steal my stuff. Or you have the kid at school that, that decides to cheat on a test, so he has the answers up his sleeve, and he takes them out during the test, writes them down, gets the test back, and he discovers that the teacher didn't give him two points he should have gotten. What does he do? Oh, well, you know, I cheated, let it go. No, he goes to the teacher's desk and says, you owe me these two points because cheaters hate to be cheated, right? We expect people to be honest. Whenever you go and you sign a contract or something or you're making some deal, you expect people to be honest. But although we expect that of other people so often, 
we're not honest ourselves. We choose to, when it suits us, uh, we, we choose not to be honest. We, we want to ignore our own lack of honesty. Let me ask you this. Have you ever compromised your integrity? Have you ever compromised your integrity in order to cover up, in, in order to protect your reputation as someone who has integrity? So if you ever compromise your integrity to save your reputation, someone has integrity. In other words, have you ever lied about lying to prove to people you don't lie? Have you ever lied in order to protect your reputation or, or, or so, so to have people to continue to trust you? Think of it like this. The, the high school kid, he gets in the habit of skipping school, and one day his parents ask him, were you at school all day today? Now he has a choice. He can lie so his parents will continue to trust him or else he can tell the truth and face consequences. Oh, yes, I was at school all day today. Why? Because he wants his parents to trust him. So much of that is what goes on. The other side of this is this. If an employee comes to his boss and tells his boss, I messed up here doing this. I made a mistake, and this is what I'm doing to correct it. Is the boss likely to gain respect for that employee or to lose respect for that employee? But when an employee comes and they confess up and, 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 and they mess up, they confess up, and then they try to clean up that mess, the boss is going to have more respect for that employee, not less. A few years ago, I had a person come to me and they gave me some areas that, that man, that their conscience is bothering they need to deal with. And, and one of them was with the boss they had taken some money from. And they went to that boss and he said, you know, it's been, it'd been like 10 or 15 years earlier, but said, I took some money for you with the intent to pay it back and I never paid it back. And I understand if you don't want me to work for you any longer, if you don't trust me any longer. The boss says, I trust you now more than ever. Why? Because you messed up, you fessed up, and now you're, you're making it right. You're cleaning up that mess. So, We're talking about honesty today. And just like last week, when we talked about humility, there's one big reason why God wants us to be humble. It stands out more than any other reason. That's because we have a humble God. God hates liars. He wants us to be honest. Why, why is that? It's because it's in his nature to be truthful. Here's what we read in Titus 1-2. In the hope of eternal life that God who cannot lie promised before time began. We have a God who cannot lie. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the question is, are you a person of integrity or not? Whenever circumstances around you give you an opportunity to tell a lie in order to make it easier for you or in order for, you to, for lots of other reasons that we'll, some of those we'll go into, what do you do? If you choose to lie then guess what? You're not walking in integrity. There's a lot of things, and I assume this is probably the biggest way to look at it, there's a lot of things that have different layers to them that we don't really sort of, we don't keep it in front of our mind all the time, but there's a lot of different layers to things. For example, your skin. You have your 
dermis, epidermis, hypodermis, whatever all the dermises are to you. You have different layers of skin. There's different layers on a baseball. You have the, the leather, outer coating. Then you have yarn. And then you have a little rubber cork down there. Uh, Taco Bell said they have a seven-layer burrito. You know, different layers. Uh, different layers of makeup. There's the foundation, the powder layer, the Botox layer, whatever layer. But just different, different layers of makeup. But there's also different layers of lies. Because we have these different... One is the elevation layer. That's when you make up accomplishments. You pad your resume. You name drop. You do this, why? So other people will look at you and go, wow, what a marvelous person they are. Aren't they just great or what? And some people do that so often, you're thinking, man, either they're lying or they ought to write a book because, man, they are something. Look how look all they've accomplished. Look how great they are. And why do people do this? People do this because of pride. They want other people to look at them and go, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so great. Then there's a retaliation layer. This is when you're just malicious in your lies. Where, where you tell lies and you want revenge. You want, you want to tear that person up. This happens in politics all the time. Every time political season rolls around, you'll see that, that one campaign, well, all the campaigns, they'll be telling all these lies about the other campaign. Uh, this is what happens with the Sadducees and Jesus. They made up lies in order to get him nailed to the cross. Why do people have this retaliation there where it's just these malicious lies that they tell? It could be because of revenge. It could be because of jealousy or hatred or anger or bitterness. Then there's this exaggeration layer. That's when we just want to uh, have ourselves to, to look good. That, that's when you want to impress. I can bench press this much. Or these are people that will tell a story, and as they're telling a story, they'll make up stuff as they're telling a story just to make it so it'll sound better. Why do people do this? Why do people have this exaggeration there? Because they have a low self-esteem and they feel like they have to exaggerate this in order to look good in front of others because they have such a low self-esteem. Then there's the omission layer where people will just leave out stuff, critical stuff. You know, a teenager is going to this little concert at night and, and he has a curfew to be home at midnight. If he doesn't get home till, till 12, 45 in the morning, his father's furious. And he goes, but dad, the traffic was terrible. And it's true, the traffic was bad. But he left out the fact that he stopped at Taco Bell and got a seven-layer burrito on the way home with his friends, right? Or this is the, the uh, employee that takes his real long lunch break and the boss is waiting for him to get back because there's a lot of stuff to be done. If it doesn't get done... The boss is going to have to sit there and stay late or do it or something like that. And so the employee finally arrives back and the boss says, that's a long lunch you took. He says, yeah, the, the service at Chili's was so slow. And it's true, the service was slow. But you left out the fact that you also ran a couple of errands, personal errands on your boss's time. My personal favorite is the kid who has a curfew at, at midnight. And he walks in the house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's asleep. It's dead quiet. And so he creeps up the stairs and he steps on that one squeaky step. Wakes up his dad. Hey, buddy, is that you? What time is it? And as soon as he says that, the cuckoo clock starts cuckooing. Cuckoo, cuckoo. 
The most ingenious moment of this kid's life is when he cuckooed 10 more times. That's what we do when we want to leave out things. What's the purpose of people who have this omission layer? They deceive. They want to deceive people. That's why they do it. And then here's the cowardly layer. This is Abraham. This is, this is people who, uh, who want to escape the consequences. You know, the, the, they don't want to take any punishment for what they've done. And so they make up these lies. This is the, the dog ate my homework type of lie. This is when Adam's in the garden and God says, did you eat that fruit? And in Adam, he takes it like a man and blames his wife. This is people who don't want to have to face the consequences. They don't have to face the punishment. They don't want to have to face their, their teacher, their spouse, their boss. And so they make up these lies. This was Abraham. Tell them you're my sister so they won't kill me. What's his motive? His motive is that he doesn't trust God to take care of him. It takes courage to walk by faith, but we want to, we want to do all these cowardly things type thing. It's, we, we, we're scared. See, the whole promise given to Abraham that he's going to be a father of nations Rest on this one thing. It rests on this, this between Abraham and Sarah. In other words, Abraham is willing to give up the womb to which the promise is supposed to come. But that's what he does. So, let's talk about some truths of integrity. Truth number one, a lack of integrity always costs you always cost you. Let's continue on reading in Genesis. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with severe plagues because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh sent for Abraham and said, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her as my wife. Now, now here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave his men orders about him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. The lack of integrity always costs you. God gave Abraham a promise and wanted him to be a blessing to many nations, and he wound up being a curse. Lost his witness to Pharaoh. Pharaoh knew that lying and adultery was wrong. He knew that. So his witness was completely blown. I mean, hey, if you can't trust what the guy says about your wife, how can you trust what he says about God? Now, you want to live without integrity, it will always cost you. Now, Abraham did gain some things. Let's be honest there. He got, he got livestock. He got servants. So he got wealth. But what did he lose? He lost his integrity. He lost his witness. He lost his peace. He lost his closeness to God. And I imagine those first few nights with Sarah back in the tent wasn't so pleasant either. He lost a lot. It will always cost you. This is a trip he regretted for years. Not only that, but one of the servants he got during his trip down to Egypt was Hagar, which led to a lot of regrets for years. 
Truth will cost you. It will destroy relationships. Relationships are built on what? They're built on trust. But deception destroys that trust. It's hard to have trust when someone who is, who is always lying, always deceiving, who's always given the cowardly layer or the omission layer or the exaggeration layer. It's hard to trust someone like that. And so someone who doesn't walk in integrity, they're going to destroy those relationships. They'll wind up without any relationships because who wants a relationship with somebody who they can't trust? There, there is no relationship without it. Next, the pressure to compromise our integrity is huge and relentless in our society. Here's what Proverbs 11.3 says. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. The integrity of the upright guides them. It informs them. It's, the, it's the, the way in which they view the world. Here's the question. Does your integrity guide you? What guides you? It may be pleasure. It may be profit. It may be status. What guides you? A lot of people have no clue what guides them. If your first response is to cover up the blame, the lie, then integrity doesn't guide you. We don't know if integrity guides us or is just a good idea until maintaining our integrity costs us. I hope your integrity costs you at some point because only when it costs you do you find out if you really have it or not. When it's going to cost you something to walk in integrity. When it's going to cost you to be truthful. Then you find out, do you really have it or not? Where you're going to have to stretch your faith in order to make sure you're truthful and you walk in God's way versus lying and not having any integrity at all. People say, I would never do that. How do you know you'd never do that? You don't till you're put in that situation. This is the way I, I hear it today. Did we lose something? I'm good. Are we there? We good? We back good? I'm green. Okay. All right. I just lost something. Maybe, maybe this is a good time to lose something. Here's what, here's what guys say. When I get married, I'll change. Does that happen, married people? No. The only thing that changes is now they're married. That's all. This thing right here, this is not a magic ring, Frodo. This will not make you powerful. It will only make you accountable. If you're not walking in integrity before you get married, you're not going to walk in integrity after you get married. The only thing that changes when you get married is that you're married. You can get up before the pastor or whatever and say, I do. But I do doesn't mean you can do. It just means you hope to, you intend to. Here's the other thing. Integrity is a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. So you need to be walking in integrity so that when you get married, your I hope to, your intend to becomes a can do. It has to be exercised. 
You have to learn to walk in integrity in this area, in this area, all these different areas, all these different layers of lies that we tell. They're all different areas of our life, and you need to learn to walk in integrity in each of these areas so that that muscle is stronger, so you can be a person who winds up in walking in integrity. Here's the thing. The failure of integrity will impact others. Let's go back to our verse in Hebrews 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides him, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys him. Somebody who doesn't walk in integrity, they will wind up being destroyed, and others around them will wind up being destroyed. When you're building a building, you have this thing called structural integrity. In fact, when you build anything, you're building a house or whatever it is, there's a person whose sole job is to go look over your plans and look at the structural integrity. Is this house, is the bones of this house or whatever building it is going to be able to handle the load? Structural integrity means that it can handle the load it's intended to handle without stress, without fracture. And when there's no structural integrity, what happens? We saw that a couple months ago with the apartment building in Florida, right? It just collapses. And when just one part, one part loses its structural integrity, that load is transferred to everything else around it. And if everything else around it can't handle that extra load, it all collapses. All I'm saying is, is that when somebody doesn't walk in integrity, it not only affects them, it affects the people around them. Teachers know this at school. They have the kid who's making straight A's and straight A's and straight A's, and all of a sudden his grades begin to plummet. The first thing the teacher says is, there must be something going on at home. Or the CEO of the corporation, you know, they, they decide to go and do something that, that's, that's not... The, the right thing to do. And, and it winds up the whole corporation winds up exploding. And hundreds of people, sometimes thousands, lose their jobs or lose their pension because one person or a few people up top decided not to do the right thing, to deceive, to lie. When you maintain integrity, the opposite happens too. It affects you and it affects those around you. So it goes both ways. Next thing is to define the win. Define the win. Remember when Daniel was in the lion's den? He had already won before he got thrown in the lion's den. Why? Because he chose to do what he knew God wanted him to do regardless of the consequences. He was going to walk in integrity regardless. He had already won. People will say, well, if I walk with integrity, does that mean I won't get thrown to the lion's den? My question is, does it matter? Does that really matter to you? Because if you're walking in integrity has to determine that you're going to live happily ever after, then you're not walking in integrity. You have to be able to define what's the win for me. That you're going to do the right thing regardless of what it costs you. That's what Jesus did, did he not? He chose to do the will of his heavenly father regardless of the cost. Satan offered him a lot of easier ways to go around him. He says, no, I'm going to do the will of my father and I'm going to do it his way. To be able to walk in integrity. If the outcome 
matters to you more than having integrity, then you're just a user. You're like Judas who said, this isn't happening the way I thought, the way I wanted it to happen. So he flips sides and he, he becomes a traitor. He becomes a, a tra- to somebody who's, who's a user. And he wound up what? Not with a win-win. He wound up with a lose-lose. It wouldn't have mattered if he had not hanged himself. It was still a lose-lose for him. Oh, he got 30 pieces of silver, but it wound up being a lose-lose. You have to decide what's the win for you. Is it going to bed at night with a clear conscience? What's the win? Next thing, we sacrifice our integrity thinking we can control the outcomes. You cannot control the outcomes. That's why people lie a lot of times. They think, I can control the outcomes. You can't do that. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't. Caesar Augustus couldn't. Herod couldn't. And you can't. So many people, when they lie, they're thinking, I'm going to tell a lie because it has to control the outcomes. You can't control the outcomes. The next thing, your respect in your relationships depends on your integrity, not your infallibility. You're going to mess up, okay? You're going to make mistakes. You will do that. We will all do that. The question is, is your integrity more important than your infallibility? And next thing, honesty is the key to revival. So here's where we take this subject and we, we mix it in with our, our theme. Honesty with God, honesty with others, and honesty with ourselves. We have to have that type of honesty. Let's look at the example of the prodigal son. He experienced a personal revival. But the first thing he does is he's honest about his circumstances. He says, I'm about to starve to death. He doesn't say, "Ah, I'm sure it'll get better sooner or later. But do you understand how hard this is, people to be honest about their circumstances? Because I come across this all the time. Their life is a mess. It's terrible. It's breaking apart all around them. And their probably reason is breaking apart. But what are they willing to admit? Are they to be honest about their circumstances and say, my life's falling apart? No. Most of the time they're not. Oh, yeah, it's kind of rough, but I believe it'll get better. They're not honest about their circumstances. This is a big deal. The second thing he's honest about is responsibility. He says what? I have sinned. This is a big deal too. He puts the weight of his sin on his shoulders. But you know what we do so many times? We'll say, I have sinned. Then we'll quickly try and take the weight of that and throw it to somebody else, somewhere else. I have sinned. Yes, I messed up. People are willing to admit that, but then they do this. Yeah, I know I have an anger problem, but you should have seen my father. Implications, I got it from him. It wasn't all my fault. I sinned. Yes, I was passive in this or or whatever, but you should have been around my mother. Yes, I know I shouldn't look at that, but my wife lost interest a long time ago. She hasn't even tried in years. Yes, I shouldn't have taken that or shouldn't have taken those numbers at at my office and changed them, but my boss is so unreasonable. 
Very few people won't say, I have sin, and, and just leave it there. So not only was he honest about his circumstances, he was honest about his responsibility, and he was honest about what he deserves. Remember what he tells his father? I don't deserve to be called your son. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, isn't it? So, you want revival? There has to be honesty about your circumstance. Honesty about your responsibility and honesty about what you deserve. Here's, here's the, the bottom line. You need to understand this. Here, well, in fact, I have it up here. You will never experience God's presence until you mourn his absence. See, until you're honest about the circumstances in your life, until you're honest about your responsibility and what you deserve, if you're not going to sit and be honest about, about all that, that's wrong with your life and all the areas in which you need God to come in and do a work in you, do you expect to see God work when you won't even be honest? This happens a lot when you talk to guys and go, yeah, I have a little problem with that. There are times when, when I, I will look at things that I shouldn't look at every once in a while, but really their whole life is just consumed with porn. There are women who say, yeah, I need to wash my mouth more. I need to be careful more about what I say. But your life is consumed with, with gossip and with what other people think. And people don't want to be honest. They want to cover up. Abraham lost his integrity because he lost his faith. And if you want to regain your faith, you have to regain your integrity. You have to start there in being honest. Be committed to doing the right thing, no matter what it costs you. No matter what it costs you. You want revival? So we talked about revival. We talked about last week. The first step toward revival is humility. And you cannot have humility without honesty. You want to be true about what's really going on in your life and quit covering it up? That's what God demands of us. But so often, you know, we have this omission layer, this cowardly layer, this exaggeration layer, this retaliation layer, and, and, and we, we just put lie upon lie upon lie. And we expect everything to just to be okay. It's not until we're ready to be honest, honest with God, honest with others, and honest with ourselves. Are you there? Do you want to get there? Do you want to be a person who begins to, to walk in integrity, to do the right thing, no matter what, just because it is the right thing, despite what it costs you? Are you willing to do that? And are you willing to right now, just in the next few moments, to quit thinking about the other person and to think about yourself where this is in regard to? Would that be okay? Because it's so easy for us to, yeah, I know, so and so and so and so, you know, boy, they have no integrity. And, and, and we spend all our time there and not willing to think about how this applies to us. So could you do that? Could you do that next few moments?
Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.